Hello and welcome to Afternoonified, the podcast where if you don't have anything nice to say about anyone, you should come sit here by us. I'm Sarah. And I'm Emily. Ready to dunk on President Taft some more? Please, Sarah, call him by his Christian name, Billy Howie Tafters. like the fourth episode in a row that we talked about William Howard Taft. Um, Mercifully, I don't Billy think Howie he came up, I don't think he came up in a history of makeup that I know of. <laughs> Not that I remember, but that was also three years ago. So uh, that's three quarantine years, two normal weeks. <laughs> oh, God. I had a moment the other day when I was asking my brother about whether or not my nephew's baptism is still happening. And I thought it was this weekend until I realized we still have a full week of March left. <laughs> it was like, how the fuck is it still March? I mean, were you planning on flying? No, I was going to drive. But I mean, they're, the priest isn't going to let them have it with more than 10 people. And I think she wants like my sister-in-law probably wants some of her family there, too. Aren't you the godmother? Yeah, but I mean, like, we'll just postpone it. Yeah. They're, we're not, this isn't Angela's ashes. Like, we don't need to rush to get the baby baptized. For once, you made a reference that I don't understand. <laughs> I really hope I'm citing the right book. Angela's ashes, it's an Irish novel about poor Irish people. Ah, There's some child death. Don't worry about it. That all sounds right. I don't know. <laughs> So we're not talking about any of that today. No. Well, we are talking about Taft. We are talking about Billy Howie Tafters a little bit, uh, but only in relation to someone way cooler, Alice Roosevelt. To be fair, a lot of people are cooler than Billy Howie Taft, but Alice Roosevelt is top tier. Yeah, easily. Um, Y'all, if you haven't heard of her, you're very much going to enjoy her. Uh, So quick source shout out. Um, I got a lot of this from All That's Interesting. There was a 1969 article in American Heritage Magazine, a 1974 interview in the Washington Post that I would recommend everybody read in full because it's delightful. And of course, the always reliable Wikipedia. Um, I'm pretty sure I listened to an episode of the dollop about this, but um, my retention is down and it was like a year ago. So, I mean, like a decade ago in quarantine years. Yeah, I mean, that was a, a lifetime ago. That was back when I could go outside. <laughs> what? outside i know we're gonna listen back to this in like a year and laugh about that weird crazy time where you all stuck inside for months and all went i mean crazy. <laughs> that's assuming we still have the internet in the rat tunnels that we've had to move into <laughs> maybe think optimistic maybe they'll just move the entire human race into a space no that's worse there's <laughs> been many movies about why that's worse <laughs> brace yourselves everybody because this is gonna get super depressing really quick I thought this was an uplifting episode. <laughs> Not right away, it isn't. Oh, Christ. Uh, so Alice Lee Roosevelt was born on February 12th, 1884 to future President Theodore Roosevelt and his first wife, Alice Hathaway Lee. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the couple's joy was short-lived. Two days later on Valentine's Day and the fourth anniversary of their engagement, Hathaway died of kidney failure uh, that had gone undetected because of the pregnancy. Cool, 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 cool. Uh-huh. Cool. Uh, and just when you think it couldn't get any worse, earlier that day, Roosevelt's mother had died of typhoid fever. This, uh, shit, Teddy. 
yeah, a uh, bad day for Teddy. Uh, he was, of course, completely devastated. Uh, and by all accounts, he loved his wife very much and no one specified, but I'm assuming he also loved his mother. Uh, so <laughs> I assume. I mean, everyone talks about like how devastated he was by the loss of his wife and how it like completely broke him and he had to run off and go hunting for two years and still didn't get over her. And then like also his mom died. I mean, to be fair, his mom was probably old for the time, so it was less of a shock. Uh, maybe. Uh, so Teddy, of course, um, oh, I said that part already. Uh, <laughs> because Alice shared a name with her mother, Teddy couldn't bear to actually use it. He called her Baby Lee instead. Just very cute, except for the origin of the name. <laughs> so I was just thinking about how Travis and Teresa McElroy's daughter's named Baby Lee. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <All> Baby. <laughs> Not related. Um, so now a widower. Now a widower, a widower, cut that out and make me sound smart. Nah, I've had some wine. Uh, so <laughs> you've had like three sips. Don't go blaming it no, on the wine. No, I had a glass when we were recording the mini, and then I filled it up again. So I All had right. like a glass and a half. Also, I'm 31 and get drunk really fast. We have uh, actually. Travis was telling me that he read something uh, where. Uh, Studies have shown that people with high levels of anxiety um, have to consume less alcohol uh, in order to get drunk. Oh, this makes so much sense. (laughs) (laughs) I feel really seen by that. Okay. Teddy. He left for his ranch in North Dakota and left Alice behind in New York to be raised by his sister, Anna. I don't think this was totally uncommon because I don't think people... like I just don't think people back in those days expected single fathers to actually raise their children. Or like not oh, if they, for sure. If they were wealthy, like obviously, if you're poor, tough luck, deal with it. <laughs> well, um, also, I I have trouble <laughs> picturing him as a 25 year old. Yeah, because um, he always looks like Robin Williams in, in my, at the museum. Yeah, yep. <laughs> That's my only frame of reference for that. <laughs> uh, he did, however, think of his daughter often and did write frequent letters, so he wasn't totally absent, which is nice. Yeah, that's about the amount of effort that single yeah. dads put into stuff back then. Pretty much. And th- give him some credit for the time. Uh, so Alice is on Anna, whose nickname was Bammy, and later Bai, because rich people, uh, was intelligent and independent and a significant influence in Alice's life, even though she would later marry and move to London. Uh, later in her life, Alice, just, Alice herself would remark that if her aunt had been born a man, she would have been president instead of Teddy. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> the patriarchy... Uh, we still don't have one of those. (laughs) (laughs) It hurts. Laughing through the tears. (laughs) So Teddy returned to New York in 1886, two years later, uh, and married his high school sweetheart, sweetheart, Edith Caro. Uh, She was a bitch, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) We'll get into it. Uh, So with Alice in tow, they moved to Oyster Bay, Long Island, uh, where Teddy and Edith would go on to have Five more children, which is too many. Too many. Too I guess many. you had to play the odds back then, though. Yeah, but they were rich. It's not like they had a farm to run. I don't know. Well, I mean, some of them are going to die of um, consumption. <laughs> and, you know, they're going to eat a bad oyster in Oyster Bay. I don't know why I went I don't right know there, if but... the... Did you say it was on Long... Like in Long Island? Yes. Uh, I wouldn't eat the seafood there. <laughs> 
Uh, so as a young woman and really all throughout her life, as we are going to learn, Alice was stubborn and strong-willed and never hesitated to say exactly what she was thinking. She was also incredibly smart and a voracious reader, a skill that she actually taught herself. So she's very God, cool. she's the best. Uh, her relationship with her mother was kind of like uh, you step were saying. Mother. Stepmother. Stepmother. <laughs> a little rocky. Uh, in Edith's defense, I don't think it's easy to come into a marriage as a second wife, especially when your husband is still deeply, deeply in love with his first wife. Yeah, that one's on Teddy. <sighs> yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, it sounds like she did take some of these insecurities out on Alice. Uh, she even once told her that if her mother had lived, she would have bored Teddy to death. Apparently, they'd like, known each other in high school and hadn't gone along then either. Uh, uh, that's not a story for on Mike. It's about my grandma and my <laughs> grandpa's... Uh, Second wife. They knew each other in high school. It was a whole thing. Oh, boy. I would love yep. to hear that. Mm. <laughs> uh, so while Alice was spoiled with gifts, Teddy himself was largely distant because he was a man in the 1880s, uh, which sounds like a great recipe for a difficult teenager. Yeah. I mean, gifts are how dads in the 1880s showed their love. Yes. Uh, Edith unsurprisingly found it difficult to control her and would gossip that Alice has the habit of running the streets uncontrolled with every boy in town. So, an icon. Yeah. Immediately. I can't find any flaws. <laughs> uh, when Teddy was serving as governor in New York, Edith tried to talk him into sending Alice to a conservative boarding school in New York City. Uh, Alice wasn't having it, and she shouted at her father, If you send me, I will humiliate you. I will do something <laughs> that will shame you. I tell you, I will. Uh, needless to say, she was not sent to boarding school. <laughs> That's a nice reputation you have, Dad. Shame if uh, something happened to it. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. Uh, so last note about Edith. Uh, the tensions between her and Alice didn't last forever. Uh, it sounds like in her later years, Alice expressed actual admiration for her stepmother's sense of humor and even acknowledged in her autobiography the situation was difficult, uh, saying that Edith coped with a fairness and charm and an intelligence which she has to a greater degree than almost anyone else I know. She put so, up with me as a teenager, so she's, that's a lady. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, let's talk about Teddy Roosevelt for a hot second. <laughs> uh, Teddy started his political career in the New York State Legislature and served as Assistant Secretary of the Navy under President William McKinley, uh, only to resign his post to go fight in the Spanish-American War. Because <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, <laughs> he returned to New York as a war hero and was elected governor in 1898, serving only two years before he signed on to McKinley as McKinley's running mate in the 1900 election. I'm so, sorry, the 1900 election. It just sounds so, <laughs> so long quaint. ago. Yeah, approximately 3,000 quarantine years. <laughs> or 120 normal years. <laughs> uh, the two won in a landslide, and Roosevelt took office as vice president in March 1901. Uh, then in September, McKinley was assassinated, and Roosevelt oh, right. assumed uh huh he assumed the presidency at age of forty two. Uh, to this day, he's still the youngest person to ever become president of the United States. I Unfortunately, thought, I thought, does uh, not look like Pete Buttigieg will be breaking his record anytime soon. Well, yeah, he dropped out. Also, I thought that Kennedy was the youngest president. Nah, apparently not. Not what I read in Wikipedia. Oh well, how old was? JFK when he took office. Uh, let's see. He was born in 1917. Holy shit. And he took the office in 1961. It's like 45. Sorry, 1961 minus 1917? Yeah. 
Yeah, 44. So. All right. But still. Well, he looked. <laughs> looked better. <laughs> Probably looked younger than Teddy Roosevelt did. Yeah. Well, to be fair, people aged at like double speed back then. Also true. Uh, so at the time, Alice was 17. She would later admit feeling utter rapture <laughs> learning about the assassination that would make her father president. Uh, there yeah. was a quote from her that uh, my brother Ted and I danced a little war dance. <laughs> Shameful. Then we put on long faces, which I really like to picture. So I, oh man, I Googled Teddy Roosevelt because I wanted to see what he looked like. And then there was a picture from like a documentary or a reenactment. And the man that they have playing Teddy Roosevelt looks exactly like my dad. Is this making you uncomfortable? It is making me deeply uncomfortable because that is <laughs> that is just Steve Coleman. Are you sure your dad's not secretly Teddy Roosevelt? I'd be insane if he was. Oh my god. Yeah, that's a reenactment, but also that looks like the teacher from Sabrina. Yeah, it does look like Mr. Craft, which is a point that we'll not discuss on this podcast. <laughs> And then I just sent you a picture of my daddy in, like, the 90s. Uh, wow. Yep. Your dad doesn't uh, secretly moonlight as a Teddy Roosevelt impersonator? It's hard to say. You might want to text him after this and just, just I check. Will, I, will, I will also send him that picture of the Teddy Roosevelt <laughs> reenactor. All right. All right. So... <laughs> Sorry, this is where I am at right now. We all are. Attention span. Uh, So as first daughter, Alice became an instant celebrity. Uh, In one of the first large social events the Roosevelt White House hosted was her debutante ball. Almost immediately, the press nicknamed her Princess Alice. And for the next few years, they would document her every move, writing daily stories about her scandalous exploits, of which there were many. Oh, God. You know, No, I was going to be like, oh, the media back then was terrible. We still do that. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, Keep no. going. No, it's just like this, the state of media today is also nothing new. But yeah. anyway. Uh, so the New York Herald printed a running score of her social life over the course of one 15-month period during which she attended 407 dinners, 350 balls, 300 parties, uh, in 680 teas, and made 1,706 social calls. Now, to be fair... There was Alice. nothing else to do. And she would have attended, did you say 400 and some dinners? Yeah, so it's about a dinner a night. I was going to say, like, that's the appropriate number of dinners. <laughs> but then, like, on top of that dinner, she was going from a dinner to a ball to a party, uh, having, like, three teas a day and constantly going over to, like, just hang out with, like, not hang out with people. I think you would just went and sat in their parlors or something dumb. I mean, that's what you do when you have tea. But, <laughs> yeah. like... You have dinner before you go to the party so you don't binge on party <laughs> snacks. Like, this is partying 101. You got to pregame a little bit. Yeah. And she wasn't going to load up on queso. <laughs> Alice refused to conform to any of society's standards for young women of the day, which made her, of course, a magnet for scandal. Uh, yeah. She raced her car up and down the streets of Washington and even became the first woman to drive uh, the 45 miles from Newport to Boston. <laughs> She chewed gum, played poker, wore pants, and when Teddy forbid her from smoking cigarettes in the White House, she took them up to the roof instead. Uh, this actually, this story might be apocryphal because I also read another version where um, instead of going all the way up to the roof, she would just sit by the chimney and blow the smoke up the chimney. <laughs> so it wasn't technically under That's the roof. Some hardcore teen behavior. Um, yeah. Can we make the 45 mile drive from Newport to Boston? I think that was the plan, but then 
we filled it up with other stuff. Oh, uh, with witches and ghosts and yeah. stuff. Okay. <laughs> uh, so oh, Alice also carried a snake in her purse. What? You'll love this. Her snake was named Emily Spinach. What was it called? Emily Spinach. Oh, God. <laughs> Which is what I'm going to start calling you. No. <laughs> she just kept this. Does it specify what kind of snake? It does not. <laughs> so probably just like a garter snake. Or... I'm guessing it's a little snake. I don't know what she, she had kept access in her purse. to. I feel like she just picked it up off the lawn. I don't know. It's well, great. I mean, one of the presidents had a fucking raccoon. Actually, so. actually, actually, I was going to do this and I forgot. I can't believe I didn't. How have I not looked at my favorite source, the Presidential Pet Museum? By all means. <laughs> pause as I look this up. I mean, I paused for like 15 minutes to send you a picture of my dad's. <laughs> <laughs> Emily Spinach, Alice Roosevelt's snake. Let's get some more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a whole write-up. <laughs> okay. Like a Vanity Fair article Confirmed. about the snake. <laughs> Alice had a pet garter snake she was fond of carrying around in her pocketbook and displaying at unexpected times. Uh, she named the snake Emily Spinach because it was as green as spinach and as thin as my Aunt Emily, she said in an interview. <laughs> Apparently her brother also had some snakes, but we don't care about any of them. No, he wasn't the interesting one. <laughs> Uh, so in no time at all, Alice became a household name. Her face was featured on postcards, and Alice Blue, which is named for her favorite shade of blue-gray, became a popular color for dresses. Uh, she also inspired several songs, including the Alice Roosevelt March and Alice Roosevelt Waltz. God damn. Yeah, she's very popular. That's kind of like how uh, Rosanna Arquette got the <laughs> Toto song. There you go. <laughs> Uh, Teddy often lamented that Alice's shenanigans made the papers more than the real news. It might just be because Alice would phone in tips about her whereabouts to the papers so that she would receive cash rewards for the information. <laughs> she was very cool. Uh, despite all the debauchery, and it's referenced in every source that I uh, used as debauchery. Uh, just Alice a real her... Serena Vanderwoodsen out here. <laughs> uh, she took her role as first daughter seriously to the point where she would often walk straight into the Oval Office and interrupt meetings to offer her father political advice. <laughs> <laughs> so once three interruptions into a conversation between Teddy and his friend, the author Owen Wister, the president threatened to throw Alice out the window and said, I can either run the country or I can attend to Alice, but I cannot possibly do both. <laughs> I love her so much. So in 1905, Alice was deployed along with then Secretary of War, our favorite president, Billy Howie Tafters. I feel like we should mention that Billy Howie Tafters was a fucking god awful person. <laughs> we'll we'll talk more about him in a little bit. <laughs> uh, so she went with him to lead an American delegation to Japan, Hawaii, China, the Philippines, and Korea, uh, the largest diplomatic mission of its time. Uh, Billy had two directives from the president, negotiate an end to a costly war between the Russians and Japan and to keep an eye on Alice. Yeah, I we can see how well that went. Yeah, I bet you can guess which one was more difficult. <laughs> well, I mean, Japan did go to war with Russia. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, this is, they had already had the war. They were trying to end the war. Wait, when is this? In 1905. Yeah, but didn't they also fight each other in World War II? I mean, yeah, but this is a totally different, like, conflict. This is a different war. Okay. Different conflict. I guess they're close to each other, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so part of this was actually, like, that was Teddy's intent. Um, with Alice on the tour, she could distract the press 
from, you know, the secret negotiations mm-hmm. were happening, uh, a task for which obviously she was uniquely skilled. Uh, in San Francisco, she escaped her chaperones to a trip to t- Chinatown, uh, writing in her autobiography that, quote, at the time, a girl had to go on such an expedition very much on the side. <laughs> uh, once on the ship, uh, she was sailing with 23 congressmen, seven senators, and a host of diplomats, official, and businessmen, which in 1905 meant the ship was full of old white guys. I mean, that's the case now. (laughs) Alice later wrote, I really liked my congressional fellow voyagers, yet I think I felt it to be my pleasurable duty to stir them up from time to time, uh, which she accomplished accomplished by smoking in their presence, learning the hula, and taking pot shots at passing targets with her pocket revolver. (laughs) She also carried a gun. Mm -hmm. Because she is Teddy Roosevelt's daughter. Oh, of course. (laughs) You know, he's way into the guns. Uh, so in Hawaii, Taff had to plead with photographers not to take any pictures of Alice in her bathing suit, which at the time it was a silk dress with like sleeves that had a high neck. Yeah, yeah. There were long black stockings involved. It was not scandalous, but it was a bathing suit. So it was scandalous. <laughs> she did make up for it later because uh, when they were cruising to Japan, Alice jumped into the ship's pool fully clothed and coaxed one of the congressmen into joining her. <laughs> Years With later, congressman, though. we'll we'll talk about it. Uh, years later, uh, she was when like this is when she was like in her eighties. Uh, she was friends with Bobby Kennedy, which we'll also talk about in a little bit. Uh, he actually like shot, like teased her a little bit about the incident, saying it was like totally outrageous for the time. And Alice simply replied that it would only have been outrageous if she'd removed her clothes. <laughs> Uh, so on the trip was a congressman from Ohio, Nick Longworth, who had the reputation, who had a reputation as a womanizer, but came from a wealthy, prominent, wealthy and prominent family. So who gives a shit, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the newspapers of the day actually named Nick as the congressman Alice, Alice had dared to jump into the pool with her. I think they were kind of like trying to form this narrative that it was some kind of dashing romantic thought. Uh, it would make for a great scene if they ever made her life into a movie, except for the part where it's not true. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, Alice, Alice actually writes in her autobiography that it was Burt Cochran, uh, who's a congressman from New York City and a longtime family friend of uh, just okay. the family. But still, Alice and Nick had traveled to the same social circles for years, uh, and it was on the tour of Asia. It was the tour of Asia that sealed the deal. Uh, despite a 14-year age gap, Alice told Taft that she quote more or less fell in love with Nick during the course of their diplomatic travels, uh, which is very romantic. <laughs> Not. <laughs> Uh, there goes the wine. <laughs> like, so you spilled it or you finished it? <laughs> I finished it. Ah. Fun fact. I can't say I'm drinking in honor of Alice because Alice didn't really drink. She was fun without it. Good for her. Those are the best kind of people. Right. <laughs> so on their return to Washington in December 1905, Alice and Nick announced their engagement. They were married at the White House two months later in what was obviously the social event of the season. I. Uh, their wedding was attended by more than a thousand guests. They planned this in two months? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you had people for that. I guess when I think about wedding planning, I have to factor in the, like, two years it takes to save enough for a caterer, so. into like, yeah, into like, reserve a space, and yeah. Okay, yeah. That makes also, sense. Also, no one else has anything going on, so it's not like people have to, like, plan. See, now would be the perfect time for a wedding. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone has to, you know, Skype in, but... <laughs> Uh, Alice wore a blue dress, and after deciding that a knife wasn't extra enough, she cut the wedding cake with a sword that she borrowed from a military aide attending the reception. Oh my god, reception. she's my hero! <laughs> I love her so much! 
so much. It's like every little detail is just like, how are you the coolest person that's ever lived? Uh, Nick and Alice were both big into parties, uh, which is what I assume that they had initially bonded over and what kept them together long after they both grew bored of the marriage, which by all accounts was almost instantly. (laughs) I mean, they definitely didn't bond over looks. (laughs) No, I will post a picture of him in the uh, slideshow. He's a he's he's a person. (laughs) He's not bad looking. He's just like he's not. He's a dude. He's not a hunk. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so in 1909, Teddy Roosevelt left office and Taft became president. <laughs> Alice buried a voodoo doll of First Lady Nellie Taft in the front yard before they left the White House, which resulted in her first ban from the residence. <laughs> uh, this is probably a harbinger of things to come. Uh, Teddy had essentially handpicked Taft to succeed him, but he soon became upset because Taft was just awful. He was putting in place. Yeah, awful. He was putting he was increasingly conservative which is not what the Republicans really were at that time. Um, and in 1912, he decided he was going to challenge him again for the presidency. Uh, well, Alice's husband remained loyal to Taft, who served as his mentor. Uh, it didn't stop Alice from publicly supporting her father's campaign, despite Teddy himself telling her that she should stick by Nick, and despite the fact that Alice had warned her father against running in the first place. <laughs> but Well, if you're going to fucking do it, I'm going to support yeah, you. I think that's pretty much it. Uh, Nick, that election cycle, would lose his own seat by 96 votes. Alice would later joke that she was worth at least 100, and that she was probably the reason he lost. Don't feel too bad for Nick. Uh, He would win back his seat two years later and would go on to serve as Speaker of the House. There's actually one of the um, House office buildings in D.C. now is named for him. So he he did fine. Uh, It probably didn't help their marriage, though. Uh, both were almost certainly carrying on affairs at this point. Uh, it was well known in Washington that Alice was having an ongoing affair with a senator named William Bora, and that her only child, a daughter who was born in 1925, was actually his. Uh, so oh. Alice, <laughs> Alice <laughs> named her daughter Paulina, though she'd originally considered giving her the name Deborah, as in Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H. <laughs> I mean, thanks for not naming your kid Debbie, because that's a a baby named Debbie is weird. But. She didn't go through with it. She just thought it might be funny. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it would. It would have been funny. She's not wrong. Uh, according to a family friend, everybody called the girl Aurora Bora Alice. So I'm glad everyone had a sense of humor about this. <laughs> Against all odds, the Longworths remained together until Nick's death in 1931. Uh, Alice never remarried, leading the independent life she seems to have preferred. And I think she says in that like Washington Post interview that like she kind of got married because it was a thing to do. But if she <laughs> had to go back and do it again, like, she wasn't really interested in marriage. <laughs> She's very Yeah, cool. it doesn't sound like it. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about this Washington Post interview a lot. But it was done in 1974 when she's like 90 years old. And it's the greatest thing I've ever read. I will link it because everybody needs to read it. It's so 1974? Yeah. She lives very long. I know. I was just thinking, <laughs> wouldn't she have been... Nope, 1884. Uh, no. Okay. Yeah. Because I thought she was 17 when he took the office in 1901, but that math does check out, I think. Yeah. Math is hard. I will hold it against you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, sadly, Paulina, too, would die an early death in 1957 after years of struggling with depression and addiction. Uh, after her death, Alice fought for and won the custody of her orphan daughter, Joanna, uh, Alice doted on her granddaughter, and the two were very, very close. Um, 
1969, an article in American Heritage described Joanna as a notable contributor to Mrs. Longworth's youthfulness and quoted a family friend who said Alice has been a wonderful father and mother to Joanna. Mostly father. (laughs) Uh, So Alice remained a fixture in Washington politics long after her father left the White House, earning her the title The Other Washington Monument. That, I mean, that's a nice nickname. It sounds like it's mean, though. It does, right? It sounds like you're big, tall, and white. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that's... (laughs) Uh, She became a writer and a political activist uh, and was banned from the White House a second time in 1916 for telling a dirty joke about Woodrow Wilson. I mean, if I had to guess, and I don't know a lot about Woodrow Wilson, I don't think he had a good sense of humor. I doubt it. No, it's not the impression I get. Uh, she would also um, very much lead the charge to keep the U.S. from joining the League of Nations. Apparently, she was very strictly an isolationist, which might have been a Teddy Roosevelt thing. Yeah. Um, for six decades, she hosted a salon at her DuPont Circle home, where she invited scientists, authors, conservationists, diplomats, and politicians of both parties. Worth noting here that a salon is a uh, gathering of people to discuss things, yes. if you didn't know. Um yeah, thank so, you for that clarification. I was going to make that It was only recently that I learned not. what the fuck that was. It's like a fancy people like book club. Yeah, I think it like is dates back to like Roman times. Like that was the idea. Like you would just get together and talk about big ideas. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's hanging out. It's just yeah. rich people hanging out. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Alice was not a fan of her cousin Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Uh, the family, she said, shared a surname, but not a political ideology. <laughs> I don't remember if FDR was good or bad. He was very much, he was a Democrat and he, uh, he championed stuff like the New Deal and workers' rights and. So Alice wasn't into that stuff? Yeah, not so much. Ah, all right. Well. I think he was a little bit, not, I wouldn't say socialist, definitely more socialist leaning than you get from most politicians today, considering like. All right. Well, to Just be fair, she was sheer born amount in- of, but he was also trying to get everybody out of the Great Depression. So you know. Anyway, yeah. She wrote a syndicated newspaper column that criticized his policies and once said he was one thirds mush and two thirds Eleanor. <laughs> she is very mean to him. Uh, she went so far as to publicly proclaim that she'd rather vote for Hitler than vote for Franklin for a third term, <laughs> which would one hundred percent get her canceled today. But she, it was probably just hyperbole. Uh, she she seems a touch dramatic. <laughs> she also doesn't seem like she was impressed by any of his opponents either. Um, there was in the 1940s, some columnists wrote like an article saying the talking about talking up all this grassroots support for this Republican named Wendell Wilkie. Alice's response was, yes, the grassroots of one or yes, the grassroots of 10,000 country clubs. So. From what it sounds like, she's like one of those people who are like, "Mm, I don't like any of the candidates, so I'm just going to be an asshole about all of them. No, I think she like was just very passionate and she had high standards is the impression I got. Um, She also in 1944 called Thomas Dewey the bridegroom on the wedding cake, (laughs) (laughs) which apparently stuck. Uh, Dewey lost two consecutive presidential elections after that. Not saying it was all Alice, but I think she didn't help. Um, Probably not. Yeah. Uh, Alice's devastating wit was so legendary, one of her most famous quotes made its way onto a needlepoint pillow for her couch, saying, <laughs> if you haven't got anything nice to say about anyone, come and sit here by me. Well, I know what my project is after Yoda's done. Yeah, if you want to needlepoint one of those for me, I will pay you for it. That sounds <laughs> quite great. I mean, Christmas exists, so. <laughs> uh, in her later years, she preferred to go by Mrs. L. Very cool. 
uh, when Senator Joseph McCarthy of, you know, like the Red Scare and the. Yeah, that one. That asshole. Uh, he made the mistake of addressing her informally. She snapped, the policeman and the trash man may call me Alice. You cannot. <laughs> She informed Lyndon Johnson that she wore a wide-brimmed hat so he couldn't kiss her. And when a senator was discovered to be having an affair with a young woman less than half his age, she quipped, you can't make a souffle rise twice. Damn. Um, (laughs) Just a side note. Did you mention at any point that uh, Edith Roosevelt's middle name was Kermit? I did not. Are you talking about Teddy's wife? Yeah. I did not run across that information. It's on Alice's Wikipedia page. <laughs> I was looking at pictures Edith of her. Edith Kermit Caro? Edith Kermit Caro Roosevelt. Interesting. That's yep. a... I wonder if that's a family name becomes a middle name sort of scenario. I would hope because Kermit... Uh, I mean, not a good name for anybody. No. <laughs> Unless you're a puppet frog. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The only acceptable Kermit. <laughs> the only acceptable one. Uh, so some considered her mean... Alice preferred to think she was honest. Which I mean, means she was definitely both. a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think I am insensitive or cruel, she told the Washington Post in 1974. I laugh. I have a sense of humor. I like to tease. I must admit, a sense of mischief does get a hold of me from time to time. I'm a hedonist. I have an appetite for being entertained. Isn't it strange how that upsets people? Uh, that sounds like something a white male comedian would say now. Yeah. But this was 90 year old Alice Roosevelt. Yeah. Uh, she was a lifelong Republican and good friends with Richard Nixon. Uh, makes for an odd couple. Uh, she didn't support JFK in the 1960 election, but she actually became very fond of the Kennedy family. And she even developed a friendship with Bobby Kennedy, despite the fact that he couldn't take a joke, apparently. <laughs> Bobby Kennedy can't take a joke? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not from Alice Roosevelt. Uh, she did admit later that she voted for Lyndon Johnson over Barry Goldwater in 1964 because she thought Goldwater was too mean. Uh, and she's oh, the- if if Alice Roosevelt thinks you're too mean, yeah, maybe dial it back. Yeah, Barry Goldwater, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she also did support Bobby Kennedy in his campaign for the Democratic nomination in 1968. Uh, and then when he was assassinated, she would go back to supporting Nixon. But uh, her li- her long friendship with him ended when Nixon actually quoted her father's diary at his resignation. Uh, so the quote he used was, only if you've been to the lowest valley can you know how great it is to be on the highest mountaintop. I mean, well, Nixon is a whole other episode. Yeah. And I mean, this is what Teddy had written about the loss of his first wife and mother. Oh, Jesus Christ. And Nixon was comparing it to, you know, being forced to resign in disgrace. Because he got caught doing crime? Yeah, because he did so many crimes. Uh, so Alice, obviously, was absolutely furious. Uh, she reportedly spat curse words at her television screen, and that was the end of that. <laughs> There's a moment in the Washington Post interview where the interviewer brings up Nixon and things get really uncomfortable. <laughs> and then later she actually, like, goes off the record to, like, say something apparently very biting about it. But then, like, it, of course, doesn't get published. She went off the record for it. But it's like, God, I just want to know what she thought about Nixon. She wasn't happy (laughs) with him, though, clearly. Uh, So it also should be noted that the Republican Party of Alice Roosevelt is entirely different from what the Republican Party is today. Yeah, they done fucking ruined it. Yeah, they kind of there was definitely a moment. I think it's honestly like the civil rights era when the parties kind of flipped on a lot of issues. Yeah. So 
I won't get into all of that, but like, just be aware, like the parties have evolved and it's completely different. Uh, her political leanings seem to evolve with the changing times. Um, in this Washington Post interview, she's entirely accepting of homosexuality. Uh, she like relates a story about um, some mean girl <laughs> at the <laughs> White House was like, this other girl said she's in love with you and like said it like it was supposed to be really nasty and gross. And Alice is like, oh, that sounds really nice. I'm glad she feels that way. <laughs> like This is like while she's in the White House in like 1905. Like So Alice was cool way before her time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is the whole, like, eh, product of the time, like, brah, 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 that thing. Um, but she yeah. seems to be, I got the impression from a lot, at least a lot of this, like, Washington Post interview, that she is very forward thinking for being an old, rich white lady. Yeah. In 1974, like, she was doing okay. Yeah. Um, she actually named Gloria Steinem as one of, Steinem as one of her heroes. And when asked her opinion of the sexual revolution, she said she'd always lived by the old adage of, Fill what's empty, empty what's full, and scratch where it itches. <laughs> Which I would also love. Needle pointed on a pillowcase. Um, I'm just going to redo your whole couch. <laughs> uh, there's also another anecdote that I just love. Um, I don't think this is... You really can't extrapolate much about her uh, thoughts on race from any of this, but it's a good story. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a chauffeur named Richard Turner, who she was apparently really good friends with. He was African-American. Uh, and once while being driven to appointment, um, the, their car was sideswiped by a taxi driver who then like got out and was shouting at her chauffeur and actually called him a black bastard. Turner, to his credit, took the insult very calmly. Alice did not. She put her head out the window and said, shut up, you white son of a bitch. <laughs> She's so great. Uh, so Alice died on February 20th, 1980 at the age of 96 having survived two bouts of cancer and a double mastectomy. She was living out of spite at that point. Yeah, she was just living on hate. (laughs) In an official statement marking her death, President Jimmy Carter wrote, she had style, she had grace, and she had a sense of humor that kept generations of political newcomers to Washington wondering which was worse, to be skewered by her wit or to be ignored by her. Uh, And just as a final note, Alice, it should be said, declined to ever meet Jimmy Carter due to a perceived lack of social grace. I mean, not incorrect, but also (laughs) Jimmy Carter is one of the sweetest human beings that's ever existed. Not good enough for Alice Roosevelt. She was not meeting with a peanut farmer. I love her. That's Alice Roosevelt, everybody. (laughs) A woman we can all aspire to. Uh, I needed to hear that in in this time of (laughs) not being able to leave. Uh, Well, that was... That was very good. I'm glad you enjoyed. I hope everyone else did too. I hope it brought some much needed levity. I have some new cross-stitch <laughs> uh, projects. Yeah, I get to work. You have all the time in the world now. I don't. <laughs> That's what I don't understand. Everyone's like, oh, I'm going to use all of this time to like write a book and get real buff. I'm like, I still have to do all of the same work. No, I'm running into the same problem where it's like, I got really excited because it was like, great, I can finally like concentrate on like some writing and get some stuff done. And then like, no, I got to work 40 hours a week. And also we're in the middle of a huge crisis. And also all my friends all of a sudden want to hang out now that we can't see each other. (laughs) I'm busy all the time. Yeah, it's like I have maybe an extra hour and a half a day because I'm not commuting. And you use that to play Pokemon, I hope. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm in the, the final, final battle there. Um, let's see. What do we have for news? Oh, yes. Within, or it may already be up. I don't know. I still need to do it. Um, 
Avalon Leonetti has blessed us with with a uh, teleportation butt magic yes. uh, graphic. It's so good. So hopefully, like, that'll already be out or it'll be coming out. Um, mm. Definitely stickers. Almost definitely <laughs> trucker hats. Because, oh, God, is uh, that a thing we can make? Actually, I, I don't know. Let's verify right now. Um, it's... It's beautiful. It looks like something you get spray painted at a uh, a state fair. Let's see, clothing, accessories. I have some no bad trucker news. hats. That's disappointing. No hats. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Uh, no, no hats. It looks like, but you can get it <laughs> on a phone case, a dress. Hmm. Uh, uh. No. No. We'll have some. Some cool shit, though. Um, it's a really fun design. I'm very excited about it. Uh, th- nope. I was going to like be like, huh, have we done a mini-year episode since we did our uh, good, good uh, April Fool's joke? <laughs> but we have. We definitely have. Yeah, this is like end of April. Pretty sure. Yeah. We're like a month ahead. Holy shit, we can get it on a bath mat, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to you owning one of those. <laughs> it doesn't match my decor. <laughs> Oh, this one is a raptor eating a piece of pizza. <laughs> Emily, let's wrap it up. Anyways. <laughs> yep. All right. So uh, you can find us on Twitter at Afternoonified, uh, Instagram at Afternoonified, Facebook at Facebook.com slash GetAfternoonified, GetAfternoonified.com, where you can go to our merch store, you can listen to old episodes, you can donate. Um, I would just like to say that in these trying times, podcasts have been on the front line of uh, keeping you entertained. Yes. We're the real heroes. Toss a coin to your podcaster. Feel good about it. Um, or donate to a food bank, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> That's all I got. I feel like I forgot something. Oh, rate, subscribe, review. Oh, yeah. Do that. You can't give us money. And, you could do that. And uh, always cut your wedding cakes with a sword when available. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye, everybody. We love you. Stay healthy. Just kidding, it's actually me, Avalon, the host of Boohaha, which is a thing that I do. A podcast, if you will, that happens some weeks, not all. Don't wait up, it's fine, we'll call you. Shut up. Anyway, it's about ghosts and tangents. Mostly tangents, if I'm being entirely honest. So join me each and every week-ish as I gather the funniest people I know to a campfire that I build in my living room and then regale them with spooky tales of boogans and googas. Oh, also, it's a comedy podcast, if that wasn't clear from the vibe, you know. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is as above, so below.